Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Squared Triangle podcast, where we talk about the latest and greatest in wrestling, and sometimes the not-so-greatest in wrestling. We'll get to that. Yeah. Don't you worry. Uh, this um, is a combo episode, because our last attempt to record all in had audio issues, so we're bringing you guys an extra a double dose of episode today with both all in and all out uh, for this week. And then next week will be the payback uh, episode. Cause there's a lot more to talk about a lot more to talk about uh, for this than payback. And there is a lot to talk about. We did talk a little bit about all in, but we got to kind of re go over some points there. And then we have to talk about the great show that was all out. Yes. So, um, so from the top, I guess, yes, <laughs> all in zero hour already in some shit. Yes. Uh, the zero hour show was Aussie open versus better than you, baby. And then hook versus Jack Perry for the FTW title. Uh, not bad matches. Uh, definitely great hot crowd to open the show with MJF and Adam Cole. Sets up, that one uh, bit. Yeah, which you know. uh, sets up some stuff later um, for the main event and everything. We also have a um, Mercedes Monet sighting at Wembley. Uh, they do talk that they want to have uh, her come in to do some stuff, kind of like a per appearance. They uh, they talked about that on the scrum for All Out. We can yep. get to that later. But TLDR, yes, working on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good opening matches to start the show. Uh, better than you, baby. Adam Cole and MJF uh, are the new Ring of Honor tag champs, which will also go into all it or all out with a match. Uh, and then Hook versus Jack Perry, which started all of the bullshit that we went through yep. all of last week. Yep. So, the world's softest man let a twenty-three-year-old get under his skin. Yep. The world's softest CM Punk. Uh, but Hook wins and reta- uh, re- regains the FTW title, which is an interesting title in AEW. It's just Taz's, like, special title. Title, yeah. Uh, but yeah, some good, pretty good matches. And then we start the main show, which I think when we talked about it the first time, I was like, they are really iffy starting this with Samoa Joe and CM Punk. <laughs> like, yeah. But given all the context, uh, after the last week, now it actually makes sense. All of it. Well, I think they were planned to always start, which is like the ballsy thing. Because you would think you'd want people to, you know, wait for Punk. It's like, you know, probably more towards the mid card or something. Mm. Or more towards the middle of the card. Just be like, get the butts in the seats, have them stay there for a bit. But, I mean, if you're paying to be there, you're probably staying for the whole show. So. uh, It was a very Ring of Honor match between these two. Just kind of cementing that rivalry that they've had. Uh, I think when we talked about it, one of my favorite spots was Joe swinging Punk through the announce table. Like, not on top oh, yeah, of it, but like through the front of it. Through the bottom, yeah. Just showing that he's just Samoa Joe and he can do whatever he fucking wants to do to his opponent. Yeah. But uh, it does end with a Pepsi plunge and Punk getting the win, still maintaining the now probably defunct Real World Championship. <laughs> Oh, it's most uh, definitely defunct now, but we'll get into that later. Another uh, another title reign for the champion vacant. 
<laughs> like <laughs> that's a great twitter account if you if you don't follow it by the way uh there's a guy who just has a twitter account for uh vacant the championship uh wrestler for her anything <laughs> Vacant is the new real world champion now. Yes, yes. <laughs> what a prolific career they've had. They He's had a very Hall of Fame career. Uh, man, re- looking through all these notes again, All Out or All In was pretty much the prologue to All Out. Yeah, it's like here's Which... part one and part two of like a full movie. Yeah, like... oddly no. Oddly enough, because All In was pretty much billed as AEW's biggest show ever, you know, and it yeah. just kind of feels like a prelude to All Out, which... Yeah, because the biggest show was better. All Out. Was like, All Out, which was slightly better, but, honestly. Not the bigger show. The better of the two shows was the, definitely yeah, All show, Out. Not the bigger show. Uh, but all I, Out, All, all In was bigger, All Out was better. Yeah. Yes. But, like, going into this next match, the trios match between the Golden Elite and Bullet Club Gold with uh, Kanos- uh, Kanosuke Te- uh, Takeshita. I mean, he gets the pin on Kenny at the end of the match, which leads into sets up. Yep. their match at All Out, which was probably one of the match of the nights until, you know, we fucking saw the main event, I guess. So, like, they, how did they it, put on it's three? Still my, it's still my match of the night. They put I, on I three matches. They Honestly. put on three matches that were just like, okay, you just do this for fun, AEW. <laughs> like you yeah. just put on fucking bangers. Uh, a lot of stuff in this match to, in retrospect, really make uh, Takeshita look strong, including just clean knocking out Kota Ibushi with that knee, which is how he put away Kenny Omega when we talk about it later. Just his fucking knee strikes of uh, Takeshita. And it's also a big win for Bullet Club Gold, which goes into their match uh, at All Out, where they also got another big win. A nice little uh, build-up for them, too. The title match. Well, do you guys have any thoughts about the uh, trios match with Golden Elite and Bullet Club? I I think it was just a vehicle. It's like we were saying, this is just a vehicle to to build into All Out, which now that I like, now that I'm looking at both cards next to each other, that kind of sucks. Not gonna lie. Yeah, they have their biggest show, and it's like it is just like it is the prologue. It's chapter one to the. It's it's to the like rest of the story. It's like season, it's like when um uh whatever whatever anime that is, it does. There's the final season part one. Oh final yeah, you season, mean like Attack two. on Titan, where it's yes. Attack on Titan, the final season part four is still waiting to be released. Yes, exactly. I knew you have four parts to a final season, but anyway, um, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it just kind of felt like there was a prelude to the things that happened at All In. But, you know, they kind of weaved it together really nice, and that's kind of why, if they're going to keep this format, maybe try to do All In and All Out as a two-parter, somewhat. Yeah. You know, because if they're just going to go ahead and do that, it would make more sense to just make both of these events a two-parter. Like, you'd have All In right here, and then you have All Out the following week, which kind of continues all in. So, yeah, when you think about it now, putting those two cars together, it kind of makes sense for them to do it that way. Yeah. I think the, uh, just the, the, just back-to-back weekends helps this a lot. Where it's not like, oh, we got this, and then we have to wait a little while for all the rematches. It's like, okay, cool, we're getting instant, you know, conclusions to all this. Yeah, but we're paying $120 for this. 
hopefully not for much longer uh especially if this is a thing moving forward but he is he did say like not every trying to get every like service to agree to the same terms is a fucking pain in the ass so sure just you know you gotta remember people are paying money for this yeah yeah Allegedly. And it would benefit, them, and it would really benefit from being on the streaming service right now. Yeah. So I hope they get that max deal situated. Yeah. Uh, the next match after that is the AEW tag team match uh, for the titles, uh, FTR and Young Bucks, which is a great match that FTR retains in, and then it further leads into their match at All Out, where they team up, but they still have this like sense of you know we don't really have this cohesion yet but we are willing to respect each other and actually team up and try to be a decent team that was a great that was a chaotic tag match at all out i can't wait to talk about that match <laughs> like um i didn't get to see it that was a pretty good one i i believe it then we get our stadium stampede which when we talk about the payback episode uh wwe really tried to emulate in a way and there were multiple times where I thought Kevin Owen probably killed himself during that match. I still thought that was a wild match, though. It really Regard. was. Um, yeah, this is just your your craziest shit, just match that you can expect. And I mean, we got stuff like Penta being taken to the back with like a faked injury, only to come back out in his Penta a Penta Obscuro like costume and everything. Uh, you mentioned the the like skewers being put on the skewer yeah the, we got we got sue showing up and moxley giving her a kiss to like have trent just go ballistic on him and let's not forget Penta almost and, and let's not forget Penta breaking that ladder too yeah Penta broke the ladder uh ortiz took out a cameraman <laughs> by accident i think a couple cameramen got taken out of all lean uh one thing that i didn't bring up was eddie beating up the fake security guy when they were fighting oh, in the concession area oh yeah he just like threw him uh, and then we have uh, Orange Cassidy breaking the glass over his duct taped knuckles and just laying into Claudio with orange punches. Very, very fun match with Orange Cassidy getting the win, which again leads into everything that happens at All Out. You think Orange Cassidy was watching kickboxing the night before he was in that match? With the Tongpo right there. It sort of feels like we're kind of like just running through uh, all in. We have talked about it. I mean, we all kind of had the same thoughts about it where it was a great, it was a pretty fun show. There were some down points, but a lot of these matches were a solid. It's one of those down points right now. The women's Um, four way. But I I wanted to say we are going through these pretty quickly, but it's because we're going to reference them again when we talk about all out card. Yeah, this is definitely like a part one, part two, as we've been saying. Uh, and a lot of this does help context for stuff, uh, which is weird seeing we're the without context show. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the low point of all in was the women's four way title match. And as we said, the first time we recorded this, I get it. I just don't think you had to put the belt on Sheeta to take it off of her. Uh, Especially with everything they built up with the outcasts, you know, breaking apart, you could have easily kept the belt on Tony Storm. I still think she just should have got like a six month reign minimum. You know, I think she has the talent to carry that division. It's like I said before, I told you guys this. Um, if they would just let her run with it for a while, it would be great. Yeah. But, you know, I guess they were shooting for the moment with Soraya because she had the family there and it was a home country and that's fine. 
but there's a there's a lot that could have come out of this match because yeah. it's clear they're breaking up the outcasts. Obviously, you could have just kept the belt on Tony, have Soraya turn on her, and start that you know fracture, or uh, have you know Soraya pin Britt Baker. You didn't have to put a belt on Dashida, just take it off of her within thirty days. You know that doesn't it doesn't feel good, especially with how rare a title change actually is for the most part in AEW. So I'm just like, why are you doing that just to take it off of her? You know? Uh, it's also an eight-minute match. It is also an eight-minute match. With a very weird finish of Britt trying to lock in a submission and then Soraya taking out Tony to, for the pin, which Tony could have still been champion going into this match. And it wouldn't have, have had to hurt Sheeta. Like, it's just one of those weird... It is one of the weirder booking decisions that they've had recently. It's the one that's actually made me scratch my head a little bit. Um, But man, does that uh, break up with the outcast lead to some fun shit over the next week yeah. before this show. Uh, Then we get a coffin match, which definitely leads into Darby's match against Lucasaurus, where Darby comes out of this match banged up uh spine possibly fractured in places but he says like, i can still touch his toes so he's fine that's not how that works buddy and just a huge like back and forth match with sting and darby against swerve and christian cage uh with swerve going into the coffin uh to lose this match for his team and give sting a big win in wimbley who also came out to Seek and Destroy with half uh, Joker Sting. It was like, we're getting every version of Sting in this one match, which was great. Yep. Then we have the Will Ospreay uh, versus Chris Jericho match, which this is Will Ospreay's hometown. He's hometown hero going into this. Uh, Chris Jericho is just stroking his ego with a live show of Fozzie before this match starts. This match really turned out a lot better than I thought this was going to be. Yes, especially considering that it carried the shit out of him. Yeah, especially since this was a match we were supposed to have like two years ago. Yeah, and so. uh, Derrico is just still capable of putting on just classics with people. You know, he can adjust to anybody's style, so uh, my hat's off to him. Uh, there was a moment, though, I thought he just he killed uh, Will Ospreay, that German suplex on the apron. He really just threw Ospreay, so his head came down first and not even his shoulders. Which, uh, speaking of people landing on their heads, we need to talk about All Out after all this, because God damn it, people are just landing on their heads most of the night. I'm surprised <laughs> most of those, I'm surprised half of those guys aren't in the hospital. Or maybe they were, who knows? I, I, I want to tell you all, I want to tell both of you this, because you guys are, like, very big on that. They, someone landed on their head maybe once the entire pay-per-view. Everyone's landed right there. Kenny, it's like, so Kenny's came down looking rough, though. But yeah, that was maybe. It was probably the angle of the camera, not seeing shoulder, but like, God, it looked like he came down really fucking hard. So. These aren't the days of Mitsuhara Misawa just like fucking land, landing someone on a, like doming somebody with a suplex. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, you're right, X, this match. Like, if it's Osprey carrying Jericho or if it's Jericho actually like putting in his part of this, this match turned out way better than it had any right to be. Uh, especially just for Jericho's age. I mean, he's still doing a lot of, like, early Jericho stuff. Um, sometime next year, 
Uh, Will Ospreay's contract expires on uh, yep, six it's months. It's gonna be see what happens with him in six months. Definitely. Like I said, as long as he can probably work other promotions wherever he is, I think he's gonna stay or come to AEW. I don't think it would be. It's a, there's a chance, but it's a very low possibility that WWE actually scores him. Just with the freedom that he has right now. Right. Uh, I mean, but if they do, you know, we get Rick Shea and Osprey again. So yeah. those guys can run back their G1 Climax match that they did years ago. <laughs> I mean, it was the first match with the Rick Shea, I think, where Osprey landed on his feet and, like, it got that meme, like, turning around to look at him. I think that yeah. was a Ricochet match. I think all of those happened that match. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we get... He gets hit with a Stormbreaker. He kind of challenges Osprey, like, pointing at his chin to, you know, hit him. And he hits him with a hidden blade and then a second Stormbreaker and pins Jericho. And then post-match, uh, Jericho pushes Sammy away and leaves him in the ring as he walks out. Then... Feel bad for this match because House of Black versus the Acclaim. The Acclaim got regulated to the pre-show at All Out, which feels kind of bad, uh, especially after a big win like this. Yeah, I mean we get this great back and forth match. Uh, we get Julia Hart taking a bump. Uh, everybody's being able to showcase what they can do. Billy Gunn kicks out of Malachi's protected finisher, which is just really building up the Huge. hype of this match. And yeah, uh, claimed win. Yes, he's badass. Yeah, really uh, the acclaimed win, and they go right to the all-out pre-show. So fun times. But then again, it is against Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and uh, Satnam Singh. So it's like, okay, here's the job squad that we're going to throw against you guys. Yeah, I don't think that kind of belongs on that pay-per-view anyway. It was good and where it was in the pre-show. I kind of don't want to see Jeff Jarrett on a pay-per-view like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did get, when we talk about all that, we did get Dennis Rodman smacking uh, Jeff uh, Satnam Singh with the guitar, though. And then staying in the ring long enough to be noticed by the ref, but the ref not calling it a DQ finish. Like, he just kind of hits him and then sits in the corner. So it's like, you want to call make a call here, ref? Like... But, um, yeah, I know we're not doing these matches justice, like just kind of going through them. I mean, if you can watch this show, watch it. There's so much in every one of these matches. Like, my match the of the night is unfortunate for that night is unfortunately Osprey Jericho. Uh, yeah, I am a certified Jericho hater, TM, but that match is pretty good. He can, he can still operate. Where Osprey can carry him to a solid four star match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, if I were to go through like all these matches, there are spots and there's storytelling and there's like hype, and every one of these matches just has something for everybody. Although, uh, I will say the main event uh, that we're about to get to right now is a close, very close second. Yes. The AEW World Championship title, Adam Cole versus MJF, current tag team partners in a storyline of can they coexist? Yes, they can. And they'll find, and the true championship is the friendship we made along the way for this whole storyline. Yeah. And then, uh, and, yeah. 
MJF, the one MJF retains. Yep, MJF ultimately retains. Uh, these guys are they coming both had in. Spots where they could cheat is one of my favorite things about this match. Yes, uh, they both come in as Ring of Honor tag champs, and there's a really good like early back and forth of like are they're respectful to each other, but then MJF starts like poking him in the eye and starts being like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm sorry, that's on me. Like you're just having way too much fun. Uh. Everybody's kind of playing a little bit of heelish. Like Cole pulls Bryce, the ref, into him to kind of stop MJF. And it really does get to a point of after the ref bump, because uh was it ref uh Bryce does take a Panera Sunrise. Yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. I love seeing Bryce do shit like that. On, on Twitter later, he's like with a with a neck brace. Yeah, he was wearing a neck brace later on Twitter. Um but yeah, after the ref bump, uh, you do start getting moments where people could cheat, but they don't. Ooh. They have the Eddie Guerrero chair spot where they're tossing it back and forth with each other, and after MJF gets it, Adam Cole falls to the ground to make it look like he got hit. MJF puts the chair around his neck and then lays on the ground to make it look like Cole decked him with the chair. And the crowd is just loving it. Like, this is one of the biggest... That's the applauding moment like during this match where the crowd's just like, that's hilarious. <laughs> You have the chance to take out MJF with the belt. He doesn't, and then he gets rolled up uh, to lose. And there's a little bit of tension after the match. Uh, MJF is calling out Adam Cole for only caring about the title. Cole gets the opportunity to betray him, but he doesn't. And they come out of this hugging it out and still for right now being friends, but Roderick Strong is pissed. So... Uh, I guarantee you... Whoever turns on each other is going to be the biggest heel on the roster. Yes. I, I see this coming because this is such a great storyline that got everybody roped into it. Everyone's they invested. are genuinely making people care about these two. And they continue to make us care as we go into All Out because MJF and Adam Cole have a match on this card, which they use to build up everything between them. But the Zero Hour for All Out... The first thing we have is the battle royale for the over the budget uh, battle royale winner gets to donate fifty thousand dollars of Tony Khan's money to a charity of his choice. Uh, I just wrote down some stuff here that I liked in this match. Uh, Sir Panico has a very like comedic moment as he's like trying to pick up Brian Cage to power bomb him, and he's like looking around, he's seeing Brian Cage's uh, trios partners, and you just hear him go, "Ah, oh, crap." And then start beating the crap out of Panico. <laughs> he like looks at him. He does like the little crossover himself, and then just gets chucked out of the ring. And I'm like, the um, it's a very hurricane spot. It really like is classic hurricane where he tries to he, choke slam John Cena or something. He was in a very like green and black outfit too, so I think that might have been like the homage to it. Uh, Sean Spears and Daniel Garcia have a little dance off. Like Sean Spears is just fucking with Daniel Garcia. And doing his little dance at him, which is funny. Yeah, I, saw, I saw I saw some video like when Daniel Garcia got eliminated, he was just doing that dance. He was up dancing the ramp. up the ramp. Yeah, <laughs> up, lost it. yeah, he was doing that up the ramp. It was really funny. Uh Dalton Castle got a Kofi spot where the boys saved him and put him back onto the ring. Uh the boys then caught Angelo Parker and he told them to put him down, and they kind of agreed and set him down inside of the ring. Which was a really funny uh, spot for Angelo because he just kind of stood there, hands on his hips, like looking disappointed at himself. 
afterwards. It was a very comedic match to start off the night, which I liked. Mm. Uh, There's a little bit of a section where uh, Trent Beretta and Hangman Adam Page were working together against people, which is really cool to see. And when they had a chance to fight each other, they kind of like opted to go fight other people instead. I'm hoping we see something with that going into the future. Uh, I think uh, I think Hangman Adam Page needs some needs some new friends. So, well, considering his old friends are you know, yeah, the Dark Order. Yes, so I think unreliable at best. Yeah. Uh, the final six of the match are Trent Hangman and Action Andretti, which was really surprising to see him last this long against uh, Kyle Fletcher, Brian Cage, and uh, I put Toa. Is it Tonga Toa? One of the Gates of Agonies. It's Tonga it, No, it's a uh, Toa. It's one of it's somebody else. Uh, it's oh, one of the. I forgot that guy's name. It's one of the gate. It's one of the Gates of Agony guys. Yeah. Um, they brawl. Toa yeah, I know that one of them's Khan. I can't remember the other one's name. Shit. Toa Leona? Yes. Yeah, I think that that's the one. Yeah. How, after everything with CM Punk and everything over the last, like, year and a half with his feuds with everybody, including Adam Page, do you have Chicago chanting cowboy shit? <laughs> like... You know... I want to say this on... I want to say this on the podcast. You know how bad you have to fuck up for your own crowd to fucking turn their back on you. Yes. Um, and like yeah. pull up signs of like, won't miss you, Phil, CM yes. Junk. I think the uh, I stand biggest, with Tony Khan. I think the biggest middle finger is if Cole Cabana had a spot on the show or not. Like, I think that would have been the biggest middle finger to see. I think the crowd, the crowd would have went crazy if Cole came out for one, well, at least the, uh, the Battle Royal. And he got cheered. And I guarantee you, that would have been the nail in the coffin for Punk's popularity in Chicago if it isn't already. Um, yeah. yeah, he's lost his team. He's lost his city. Yeah. Uh, Hangman ends up winning after going 2v1 against uh, Toa and Cage, managing to get both of them out of the ring. And later in the night, we hear that he donates the $50,000 to the Chicago uh, Board of Education Fund. Being a teacher himself and everything, you know, he does have a soft spot for education. I will mm-hmm. say that that is definitely that's definitely something Tony was already planning to do. Yes, they just that wanted was, to, that's they just wanted to give it like a stipulation. Sure. No, I I just mean like he was already donating to that charity. They just wanted to have a battle royal about it. Yeah, they wanted to get everybody onto the show and yeah. get everybody. Yeah. yeah, everyone gets everyone gets a paycheck. I, I respect that. Yeah, it's it's the WrestleMania thing where everyone gets a paycheck. It really is. Uh, we go into the women's trio match afterwards. Uh, Sheeta, Willow, and Sky Blue against Mercedes Martinez, Diamante, and Athena. Uh, Sky Blue did not know she was from Chicago. And yes, so she's, she's, she's hometown girl uh, coming into this. Which is a... I she's will take that. to see him punk. I know. We had this conversation uh, in the Discord. I thought she came out dressed as CM Punk, and I was informed that that's just the Chicago flag. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I learned something. Uh, I don't know what's really going on with Ring of Honor, but Athena is coming out with, I guess, her new, like, ward, Billy Starks. Like, Billy Starks has aligned herself with Athena, which is interesting. Hmm. 
Uh, I didn't uh, also put my notes here. Uh, Mercedes is mommy because good lord, Mercedes Martinez. Correct. I know, correct. right? I was just like, oh, I have missed seeing her on TV. Like, um, I will say, uh, the other thing about it is uh, Athena is, I believe, still the women's champion yes. for Ring of Honor. She yes, is. She's still Ring of Honor women's champion. Uh, yep. Uh, enjoying maybe the best reign of a Ring of Honor's women's champion ever. From what I hear, she is the reason to be watching Ring of Honor. Yes. She is. Uh, which I don't. Putting that. You know, I don't have, I think that's another service you have to pay for, so. Yeah. It's Fight TV. Yeah. But on top of that, I, I just really applaud Tony Khan for uh, giving Athena the chance that uh, she should have gotten WWE to begin with. Um, yep. She's very talented. Uh, she was wildly over in um, WWE when she got there. And they just, they just dropped the ball on her. They just dropped the ball on her. They didn't, they didn't her. know what to do with her is the thing. They, you let her it, be it, Charlotte. That's. You let the yes. people who are popular beat no, Charlotte. I, you stop putting the titles on Charlotte Flair. <laughs> like, I agree. And we'll get to that when we talk about payback. But, yes. But, you know, not much we can do about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is your standard pre-show uh, women uh, trios match. Every woman gets a chance to showcase themselves. Willow shown to be this strong uh, individual within the women's division. She does always great. Uh, and Sky Blue gets the pin on Diamante after Diamante botches a uh, sunset flip. So she just doesn't jump, she just kind of falls back. So it's a very awkward, like, roll up into a pin. Yeah. And I'm like, Diamante, this is why you're not on TV much. <laughs> like, you've been with him for how long? She's so, been there for a couple years now. Yeah. So it's just like even like simple things sometimes it's like man diamante you're really missing your cues here yeah wasn't she in lucha underground like she was great in lucha underground right or no yeah who, no who was a uh, who was with son of ha the who's with son of havoc and on helico during like their trios reign oh that was evil lease oh yeah okay it was the other the other one of the tag team that they yeah. usually have diamante was with impact for a while yeah. I believe until like 2019, 2020, when she came over to AEW. Yeah. Uh, I keep forgetting because I was like, Ivelisse and Diamante were a tag team with each other a lot. And I was like, one of them was better than the other one. I just couldn't remember which one was which. Yeah. It's definitely uh, Ivelisse. And then we get the trios title championship match, which kind of a downgrade a week after this big match. You're, just, you're on the pre show. But it is a match that has a celebrity involved, so I guess I understand the placement of it. You have Dennis Rodman, because you're in Chicago, so you have to have Chicago Bulls uh, there with you. And it was really funny seeing him hit uh, Satnam Singh with a guitar. And like I said, then just hang around in the ring while the ref like notices holding the broken guitar. Right. And everything, and I'm like, ref? <laughs> like... You see this, like Rodman did not just get out of the ring like he was probably supposed to. So, but someone was like, "Hey, get the fuck out of the ring!" WCW moment, <laughs> like yeah. Because I forgot he was with fucking NWO for a while. Also, remind me, hey, at least it was Probably a pre-show, right? Yeah. Uh, on to the main show, or as I had to call it, part two of All In. So, yeah, no kidding. This we is the part without this. This chapter is like a CM Punk less AEW. Yes, 
Uh, they we'll got start... him out of the. They got him out of the collision intro like that. They did. <laughs> they uh, they were just like, hey, do you still have the files for that intro on your computer? And it's like, say less. It's like, I will... <laughs> give me thirty minutes. I need to make a few cuts here. Yeah. Oh, uh, so we have the Ring of Honor tag team uh, title match. It is Dark Order, uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, Johnny Hungy against MJF and Adam Cole. And pretty early in the match, uh, MJF is injured and taken to the back, which leaves Cole to fight off 2v1. He does a pretty decent job at it. Like, even Dark Order does their, like, multi-hit combo thing that they do uh, to people, and he still kicks out. They do a double clothesline to him. He still kicks out. And near the end of the match, MJF returns because friendship. And MJF tears through Dark Order, and they retain. Pretty fun match. I mean, these guys went from main eventing Wembley to putting on a great opening match just to show that anywhere they are on this card, these guys are going to deliver like what you need yeah. them to do. And it was interesting, like seeing MJF presented more as like a tag team a champion than the world champion was but then he was as the world champion. But my business mind is like, he's our world champion. We're not going to let Dark Order beat him up. <laughs> like... <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think that was like my thought process. So they did this really good like storytelling thing where Cole's resilient enough to fight, but MJF is still going to come save him as like as his friend and everything. Uh, I enjoyed the match. I love seeing a more heelish Dark Order. I think it's about time, especially if it's just these two and Evil Uno now. And Evil Uno's kind of working as like a manager role for the most part. Yeah. Because he was even getting involved, too, and messing with Adam Cole. Uh, Our first of two meaty men slapping meat, and we will talk about the second match because this crowd made this show once again. I don't think I've laughed harder about anything in my entire life wrestling watching that match. So good. Um, I lost it the whole match. Once this started going... This match is Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor. This is a very heavy Ring of Honor history, uh, history match. Uh, they most spend most of the early part of this match recapping the history for Samoa Joe and Ring of Honor. And it's cool seeing somebody equally match Joe in terms of size and strength for a change. Like Shane Taylor actually has him on the defensive a little bit. Uh, but eventually... Because he is Ring of Honor TV champ, uh, Shane Taylor does tap out to Joe to give Samoa Joe to win. Not a long match. I think it went like seven or eight minutes. But I feel like it, it did. Was. I feel I, like but I think six minutes. Six minutes. It did what it was supposed to do, though. Like, Shane Taylor oh, still looks strong. But the most noticeable thing they had, that thing that happened. They did, you know, yes. That was a great match. It was before the match. It was that before was the, the match started. Thing. Yes. I forgot about that. Let's uh, get to that. They're walking MJF to the back. He's taken forever. Joe decides, I'm going to come out and get ready for my match. And he pushes him like he did in Brooklyn back in NXT. And MJF, MJF doesn't forget. <laughs> and he remembers. These two have a brief little brawl. Joe puts him into a guillotine, which hurts his injured neck a little more. And we're probably getting Joe MJF for the t- world title as a new. As a new the feud, thing caught, the thing I caught was uh, when Joe shoved him, he just had this little smug ass grin on his face, walking down <laughs> the ring like, "Hey, you little bitch!" I, it's like, yeah, it, it was just rules. so hilarious that how he did that. 
this is what I love about AEW is the history. It's like it is just that history of everything that they build off of. It makes I these con- feuds make sense. I love continuity. Like, okay, and the fact that AEW just driv- it just dives in continuity um, at these points, I enjoy that. Yeah, because if it's you just nice had detail. if you just had Samoa Joe come out and push MJF, people would be like, "Oh, why do you do that?" But it's like, no, he did it because he did it once before when mm-hmm. MJ when MJF was a nobody. <laughs> So, and this was back when Joe was still champion too. Like mm-hmm. every time they've interacted, Joe has had a belt. So I, I like that, and I do like because uh, MJF did uh, go to Twitter about it. He's like, "I'm not the same kid you pushed in Brooklyn." So it's like they're definitely gonna be building on uh, that little bit of history. And oh, I cannot wait to see MJF for Samoa Joe. I'm actually like. That's such a different mixture of styles. Yep, it's gonna be a good one. Like, it's I'm gonna be a lot of on. like, it's gonna be a lot of uh, M- uh Joe just slapping MJF away and then trying to get a coquina clutch. Yeah, and then MJF just squeaking by is how I think that's gonna go. And MJF cheating, obviously, yeah, for sure. It depends on whether or not the Cole stuff is over and it's just MJF, but he is gonna have Cole on his side also. Uh, so that's gonna be interesting to see like that dynamic, especially if the Kingdom and Rod Roderick Strong are involved, because then you just got like a mess of Ring of Honor history to build off of. Also, yep. Uh, then we get to the TNT Championship match, aka we need to write Darby off of TV for a little while. <laughs> so we didn't even talk about the casket match. We kind of uh went through it a little bit, but we can go back to it. Yeah, because uh, it's, yeah. It's relevant to this match because it of Darby's is. spine and all. This is the... Darby fucking messed up his spine, like doing coffin drops on an actual coffin. Yeah, this is uh, Darby went in saying, "I don't need my back, and <laughs> I'm going to show you how how little I need my back." And yeah, he got pretty beat up uh, after All In. Um, probably does have some fractures and stuff like that. But I mean, this guy just keeps doing this to himself, so. <laughs> He is our age. He is our age. Well, a little younger than me, but you know. Yeah. By the time he is my age, he's probably going to be in a wheelchair having to walk around with a cane, but you know. Yes, and this match, this match does heavily focus on his back uh, for most of it in terms of the in-ring storytelling. You have a little moment of Christian telling Luchasaurus to maim him. And then he proceeds to do that by slamming the steps onto Darby and then walking up the steps back into the ring. Which, uh, I was like, I haven't seen that before. So that was a pretty interesting take on, like, a sp- uh, step spot. Yeah. Uh, Darby did his senton onto a seated Lucerosaurus, but, like, probably hit his back square on Lucerosaurus' shoulder, so that didn't help his back at all. No. Yeah. You have Nick Wayne also at ringside, which will tie in later uh, to the finish of this match. I did point out, I did make a note here uh, that Darby hits a really sick looking crucible bomb after he falls off of Luchasaurus's shoulders. Like there's a nice little like twist as he grabs him and just slams Luchasaurus down. Yeah, because I, I think Lucha tried to um, put him in some kind of he tried to put him into the, He tried to put him into the thing and he hit him with a crucifix bomb, like escaping it. It was it. sweet. It was a really good transition into it. Uh, 
you have Christian arg- arguing with Nick uh, Nick Wayne on the outside, and then you have Darby doing his usual like I'm gonna launch myself out of this ring as fast as I can, uh, dive spot. Yeah. We then get what I wrote as the closest three count in history, where mm-hmm. even Bryce stopping his hand is about an inch from the mat, <laughs> like. The timing on this, I don't think you could. I don't think you could replicate it as realistically as you did with this one, because there was no slowdown on Bryce either. He got to about an inch, and then Luchasaurus just came up. And I'm like, even the audience was like, "That was three, right?" And like Bryce was like looking at like the timekeeper to like make sure it's like that was two. That was two, <laughs> like the craziest, like closest count I've ever seen, at least in yeah. recent years. Like that was impressive. It even confused um, Bryce himself. It even did because he was, was like, he was like, he had to stop and think. It's like, was that? That was what two. Was that <laughs> like, um, but we then get into the finish here where Luchasaurus just destroys Darby Allen, hits him with double pile drivers, a lariat, and then this was after Darby hesitates because Christian has Nick Wayne outside about to do a concerto to him, so Darby has to choose between Luchasaurus or Nick. Goes for Luchasaurus and then takes the double pile drivers and the lariat. And then Cage is about to do a concerto to him, but the locker room comes running out to save Darby. Which we pointed out, uh, or you pointed out in the Discord. It shows how good your mid-card of this company is when people like Trent Beretta are still there. And he's being like showcased as like main event. Like a high level, low, high card, you know, wrestler. But it was also cool just seeing like the locker room come out to stand against Christian Cage. Like you can tell he's just everybody's getting tired of his shit. Like, Hell yeah, he's the most evil heel in AEW right now. I mean, he even puts MJF to shame as a heel. So and like I said, it's just when they cut to him backstage having like the soap opera lighting, I'm like, God, I hate him. <laughs> like it's such a good touch to his character, though. Yeah, he's he's basically Stefano Demera from Days of All Days of Our Lives. Like that dude's just a <laughs> master soap opera villain. Like I, I, I love Christian Cage, I really do. And like you I said, he, he is so much of a better heel than Edge ever was, man. That is a reference, but <sighs> it's true uh, though. Then in the 1990s, a, a sitcom called Days of Our Lives. It's still going. I know. Yeah, it's but still on TV. I looked up that show has like that show has like. 32,000 episodes. WWE Raw could never. WWE Raw could never. Because that was like, like never. That show was like a daily show, right? Yeah. Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday for, since the 60s. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, One Piece fans could never. <laughs> like, Honestly. Um, then, this is the point of the night. Where the crowd really starts to get into this, into yeah. this show, I think this Big is the point where and slapping meat. I want to say this is probably the point meat. where the alcohol is starting to kick in a little yeah, bit. No, sh- no shit. Um, the Hindi is brewing in everybody's stomach. The twenty dollar beers at this arena are starting to kick in because they take over this match in the best way possible. It's not disrespectful, <laughs> but it is comedic. It is great. Uh, we get an incredible matchup of Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs, and I like both of these guys, and I love their chemistry. And they have I, a really good chemistry in the ring. 
And the fact that after the match, Hobbs attacks him means that the feud's not over, and I can't fucking wait. Good, so, I need more of this anyway. I need more of it anyway. Um, Thank God. So I put in my notes, big meaty men slapping meat, because that is our go-to meme for these kind of matches. Uh, and the motherfucker Excalibur said it word for word. He word did, for word. He did say it word for word on commentary, which I don't think we didn't come up with it. This was something I think... Uh, what culture shirt on like tea culture or something yeah i think what culture is what started the actual like joke though um the hey, crowd heckles i noticed that the crowd was heckling hobbs a little bit uh i think yeah. somebody said something to him and he said to one of the guys i'm not from la bitch like he said something to a guy in the crowd so his theme song literally says Palo Alto. That's not LA. Yeah. And it reminded that's, me that's of the uh, Winnipeg, you idiot. It reminded me of the NXT or the early roster showing up EO uh Sky when she's talking to somebody. And somebody in the crowd's like, go back to China. And she's like, I'm from Japan, bitch. <laughs> like Yeah. Um and there's another one. Um there's another one where where uh Jericho is like, I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. Yes, yeah, I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. I love when wrestling, people don't know where wrestlers are from and try to insult them with it. Uh, I put here, if either Hobbs is just this good or, Mi- or Miro is doing a great fucking job making this kid look good. It, it, I think it's a little of both. It's, a, it's, a little, it's definitely both. Like, Hobbs it's, it's, is good. It's a little of both. Like, Hobbs is just so good and Miro is just Miro. Um, these guys put on probably one of the best big man matches I've seen in the last couple of years. No title on the line. Nothing. They just came out and were like, you know what? We're going to fucking do this. You, you want a Haas fight? You got a Haas fight. <laughs> and Miro yeah. selling like hell for Hobbs, which is great to see. Uh, we then start getting into the chance. <laughs> we get meat, 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 meat. We get slapped. There's, there's, there's just some guy in the crowd that's meat forever? yelling meat. <laughs> the meat forever, forever chance is what killed me. That <laughs> meat. killed me too. Meet forever. <laughs> this so, match turned into Sunday night meat. Good one. <laughs> That's what this was. Um, Miro wins by submitting Hobbs. There's a little bit of hesitation on Miro's part post match, but they do show a very predator esque handshake with each other. Son of a bitch. Hobbs, uh. you son of a bitch. And then he hits some. He hits him from behind. Hobbs, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And then, I, I it's just it's a great appearance because I wasn't expecting it, and I didn't expect the Titantron to say "hot and flexible." <laughs> <laughs> but CJ Perry, Miro's wife, has arrived in AEW. She is You're Miro's hot, hot and flexible wife. wife. And, and Nigel McGinnis immediately with the call of the night. <laughs> it's the oh, what, what did he say? It was the oh, it's the meat misses a misses of the meat or something yeah. like that. It's it's it was yeah. fucking great. <laughs> Nigel McGuinness was on his fucking game. It was so yeah, he good. was. Nigel McGuinness knows the assignment. Oh my god! In terms He's of so just good. in terms of just enjoyment factor, this was my match of the night. This match was so fucking it was funny. Good. If I was if somebody if I wanted to get somebody into wrestling and it's like, what's the wrestling culture like? This is the match that I would show him from beginning to Lana's arrival. Because it's just, it's the perfect blend of just nonsense. <laughs> like, it is. It's so good. And then we get a down point, uh, a little downward uh, energy. 
Which I don't think is any of the ladies' fault. I just think it's the time that they were given. Uh, the story going into Ruby Soho versus Chris Statlander for the TBS title is Chris has never beaten Ruby, which should be interesting. But then you also have Soraya kind of hogging up the attention a little bit and screeching from ringside. Uh, Ruby has a lot of offense in this. Uh, but Chris is shown to be resilient. She's kicking out of No Future and Destination Unknown. Slammed into a barricade. She did the triple kick up at the uh, beginning of the match every time she was knocked down. Uh, and as Ruby is about to get the spray paint, Tony Storm arrives to distract Tony Ruby. Storm had to have been under that ring the entire pay-per-view so far. And she was definitely in, like, I am a 20s actress at home, out of work. Like, she's yep. in, like, the lace nightgown, a robe, she has her hair up. I don't want this character to go away. Like, I, I love her. <laughs> I love the fact that she just gets more and more unhinged with this gimmick every single week. You see her she during the, uh, something the else. Renee review? New. You see yeah. her during the narrative, she looks like she's on Benny's half the time, just like a, a true, like, 1940s actress. Yeah, like, Benny's are opioids, one of them, too. It, and then she throws a shoe. <laughs> like, uh, then she, there was a moment on commentary uh, where they were talking about, or I think uh, in the in-between matches with uh, RJ and Renee doing, like, the audience work and everything, they were like, who throws? It's like I don't know anybody who throws a shoe. And the other thing I thought of is Hispanic families. Like that yeah. was like the whole thing was Lena Vega, like against uh, yep. Rhea Ripley, was throwing the shoe. Chuck mm -hmm. was. Yeah. Um. But she distracts Ruby. Chris retains. And I don't think this match makes Chris look stronger. I think like she got lucky in this match. Is the kind of the feeling that I'm walking away from. Which probably isn't a good feeling to have about a champion. In the in the media scrum, she said she would want to take on anybody, including my personal pick is uh, when she comes back, Jamie Hader. Yes, I want to see Chris Atlanta versus Jamie Hader, because so looking at stats, uh, stats physique in this match, she has put on some muscles like, yeah, her thighs are huge she can crush oh, yeah. watermelon <laughs> like, like, like you go to her instagram all she does is like she just works out constantly you know and it's so it's starting to show too she has put on a lot of muscle and uh she's a lot stronger than she was bad knees and all and it shows she's yeah, putting mean, in work i mean she she's was yep. i mean she was uh lifting renee during their promo that one that one episode uh, -huh. uh then we get this match. One of my matches of the night. The Brian Danielson, Ricky Stark strap match. Oh, boy. To set up some history Ooh. here, uh, Starks wanted to challenge Ricky Steamboat to a match, but the contract said Ricky Starks and the Dragon as Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He says, gotcha. Brian Danielson's back. And you're going to be taking on him in a strap match. And Ricky Starks looks very tired. At this revelation, <laughs> but decides to go through uh, with the match anyway. And in the media scrim, I remember hearing uh, that Starks was able to meet Danielson's like intensity in this match. Uh, Danielson still couldn't really use his right arm a lot, 
So there yeah, were. Yeah, was carrying Danielson, which is something you, that's not a sentence you yes. hear. He was yeah. carrying. Danielson wasn't at his 100%, so Ricky was kind of leading this match, which is crazy. Uh, it I just make, goes to show how good he is. I did make a note here. Uh, the bell has it wrong, and Danielson's bleeding. I think Mox is going to take offense to this. So. Uh, it's that a little bit. Bleeding faster than Moxley would in a match. I seriously had to ask y'all if Brian Danielson was still a heel because he came out to the final countdown. The crowd just absolutely lost their minds. And I'm like, wait a minute, he's still in the BCC, right? They, he's still a heel. During the media I, so scrim, think, they did talk about that. It's, the BCC is not a heel group. Uh, they kind of walk the line. Interesting. It just they're depends like, on who they're beating up that week. Yeah, and it's it's the thing of like, yeah, Danielson respects and loves uh, Ricky Steamboat because Ricky Steamboat refereed like some of Danielson's earlier matches. Yeah. Um, and was a producer for him when he was in WWE, so it makes sense that he would go and defend uh, Ricky Steamboat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get a a really good strat match. Like these guys are just tearing into each other. Uh, this is the I kind can't of match. Describe it other than intense. It is intense. It was just an intense match. Um, we have a brief uh, interference with Big Bill, and that's when uh, Ricky Steamboat gets involved. Uh, then Danielson goes over the top rope and wipes out Big Bill and Ricky Starks, and we don't see Big Bill for most of the match afterwards. Yeah, strap um, is like. A couple centimeters shorter, he's hanging somebody. Yeah, uh, that, that was the perfectly measured strap for yeah. that top rope dive. It really was. Uh, it's just a brutal match, and then it ends with Danielson choking out Ricky Starks, which adds to Ricky. He didn't get pinned, and he didn't tap. He chose to pass out, uh, which is a great showing of like resiliency in a way. <clears throat> Uh, I did. Add, I did have to make the mention, uh, considering that Ricky Starks is one of the African American wrestlers. I was like, I'm not sure how to feel about a white man whipping him this hard in a match. So. Yeah, and uh, I can understand y'all being uncomfortable about that because luckily it didn't I go didn't on think for, about that for a bit. But it didn't go on for too long. But like he had him against like the corner. And then he like stretched out, like, and I was like, I, I was like, I am uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I know, but just... like I said, me and Axis, me and Axis PLC are like, eh. But the thing was, Ricky Starks was beating the piss out of Brian Danielson with that strap he earlier did, too. They like, did, he was uh, into him. They did get equal amounts of laying in. It was just that one thing. I was like, oh man, you have like Ricky Starks against a pole. Like getting yeah. whipped on his back, and I was like, uh, just optically, that's not great. That was definitely a case of bad optics right there. But yeah, somebody not in the back much, just, not to mention the part where he's like just lynching him towards the end for the finish. Then he was like hanging yeah. him, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, I'm sh- we're in the Discord. I'm showing this on the in our Discord channel, like live stream for like uh, Duck and them, and I'm just thinking to myself like, oh my god, <laughs> it's like, oh. this is what they're seeing. <laughs> but. Yep. I love this match. It is definitely one it's of a the great match. It is definitely uh, one of the most like wrestling matches of the weekend. Uh, just like old school, like wrestling. It was so good. That was my it, it was my match of the weekend until well, we'll get into that shortly. Uh, then we get a uh, rivalry like conclusion, I hope. Uh, Kingston, Shibata versus Wheeler, Yuta and Claudio. Uh, 
I mean, Claudio and Eddie just hate each other. Like, this is just going to probably be an eternal thing in AEW, like, character-wise. They just can't fucking stand each other. And even in a, like, a post-show interview, uh, Renee's interviewing Claudio, and it's like, do you think this finally ends the long-time rivalry between you and Eddie Kingston? And Claudio shows, fucking hope so. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, like, one of those, like, things, like, I'm so done with this man. Like I mean, Eddie sl- Kingston, yeah. it never ends. It doesn't. <laughs> Someone tell him that. Uh, I tell him wrestling's not real. There was a funny yeah. moment that I jotted down. It's somebody in the crowd yelling as as Eddie's getting his shit kicked in by Claudio. Somebody's like, "You got this, Eddie!" And Claudio looks at him. No, he doesn't. No, he <laughs> like it was just one of those like funny like audience interactions we get every now and then. Uh. And when Claudio and Shibata stepped into that ring, God, I just want more of that. They're, I, I, they're, they're, they're killing each other. Oh, I really, really want Claudio and Shibata to be like a running thing because these two are so good together. Something uh, that I was not aware of going into this match um, was there was a promo. What was it? The Rampage before or maybe the Collision before? Mm-hmm. Uh, of um, it was it was Claudio talking, and Eddie Kingston was like, "Yeah, I I beat I beat your boy uh, Yuta," and he's like, "Oh, you beat my boy Yuta?" And he just fucking European uppercuts him. He goes, "I beat my we beat him all the time in the BCC." And he just yeah. keeps uppercutting him, beating the, the shit out of him. There's a picture on Twitter, and it's like the boys are back together, and it's the BCC doing that pose they did with Regal, but it's just the four uh-huh. of them. That's like mm-hmm. fun fact. Claudio beat up Yuta before and after this photo. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's just like this running thing. And I mean, they kind of showed that too, where Claudio threw Yuta like a fastball special at Shibata. <laughs> so now he also, just being used as a weapon. <laughs> like he also did the thing. He also did the thing where like uh, Shibata was setting up for like a California Dream, and like he caught uh, uh, Claudio and was doing like a, 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 a an ankle lock. And he kicked him out of it, and the way he kicked him out of it, uh, he, he fell over and it, it applied more pressure to the, the, the leg yeah. lock that he had on. And then he on just got Wii. out of the ring after that. <laughs> yeah, um, Yuta was screaming after that one. It was really good. Really, Yuta is the whipping boy for he the really BCC, is. and I love it. Uh, that w- that yeah, spot was really good too. The uh, getting the leg lock uh, in on uh, Yuta, and then Claudio like hit him, but Shabazz just like no selling it. And then puts Claudio into the ankle lock, and I was like, "God damn, I fucking love Shibata so much." Simply built different. Yeah, he is built different. I'm so glad he's back. Uh, there is a funny moment where Eddie gets slapped by uh, Wheeler, and then promptly lays Wheeler uh, Wheeler out with his own slap. Like the man took offense to it. Uh, and I just love Eddie's energy in these fucking matches. Uh. The backhand takes out Claudio, and they push uh, Wheeler Yuta into a sleeper hold. But then Claudio, just showing how strong he is, knocks Eddie out with a European uppercut and gets the pin, while Shibata is still putting Wheeler Yuta in a sleeper hold outside of the ring. And, yeah, just like, even commentary is like, I've never seen a match end with a European uppercut. Like, that shows how strong Claudio is as just a person. But uh, Claudio gets the win over Eddie, and I don't, for in any part of myself, believe that this feud is over. 
I don't think Eddie's going to let Claudio walk away with a win over him. You'll never we'll definitely know have... when an Eddie King... You, the only reason an Eddie Kingston feud ends is because Eddie Kingston is injured. Yeah. Or and, on top of the, and on top of that, I think we're heading towards the second uh, Ring of Honor World title match between these two. I mean, Probably. that's the only way this ends. Yeah. Give, it, give Eddie his big win when you're ready to get Claudio out of the picture. Yeah. Uh, well, and on to something else. Give, you're ready to give Claudio a break or whatnot. Uh, and then we get to the match. Probably of the weekend. The match of yep. the weekend. We'll say the last two weeks. I think this match takes over anything from All In also. In sure. terms of just, yeah. just style and just in-ring work. We get the Omega versus Takeshita one-on-one. Uh, Omega comes out in his DDT gear with a little bit of history that Omega is currently 2-0 and on Takeshita in their singles record. And this match is just pure J- J- New Japan DDT. Like, this is just full-on, just Japanese-style, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Especially on Takeshita Zine. Yeah, we my had, God. I put the note here, why do Japanese wrestlers hate necks? Like, <laughs> it's Japanese wrestling is hey. the, do you have a strong neck? No. Okay, well, we're going to get you a strong neck, and then you're going to be used to wrestling here. I have, I've said this a few times to my, my uh, fellow co-hosts, but they do not land on their head more often than not. There's outliers, but they usually land on their shoulder. Yeah. And it's usually good. The cameras are just r- in a really good place most of the time to catch that they're I landing. Where that time head. Kenny landed on his this- head, though. Even if he didn't, even if it was still on a short spot, there was a lot of, I think Kenny got way too much, like, over, like, he got too much air on this uh, sure. move, too, that it probably made his landing a little weird, because he looked like he came crashing down, which was... I mean, it, it almost reminded me when Charlotte Flair did that not too long ago in a match where... Oh, yeah, where she, she just over-rotated and landed on her fucking face. and landed on her forehead somehow, on her face. Just, I'm so, a, yeah. Charlotte, I'm gonna sell my ass off for Rhea, even though she doesn't need it. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, you get your, I mean, these guys are just laying into each other this whole match with knees. They're just taking knees and taking knees and taking knees. This match goes into, I have, I had, I need to make it again. I had a playlist of matches that I would put when I go on, go and fly. Yeah. Um. And I, I had one of the matches I had was uh, Brian Danielson versus um, ah fuck what's his name on commentary I, we were just talking about him earlier Nigel McGuinness McGuinness yeah the the unifying <clears throat> match for the the ROH Pure and the on the heavyweight championship yeah and you know just matches like that and I had a bu- I have a bunch of those that I would have when I go to fly um just to have something to focus on when you're you know in the air. Yeah, um, and this match, this match goes into that playlist. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a match that people are going to be talking about. You know, maybe not instantly, but like when they look back at Takeshita or Omega's careers, like this is going to be one of those matches. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, um, Takeshita is going to be a main eventer. He is going to be a champion, whether it's this year or the next. That guy is a superstar in the making. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised if WWE is also looking at this guy, even though he's probably not going to be leaving AEW for a while. I do think 
you know, once they figure out the whole promo situation with him, he becomes AEW World Champion at some point. I don't think they need it. Like, that's the thing. Like, just his presentation has helped him as, like, a character where he's like, just... Like Don, Call- Don Callis has done a tremendous job with his presentation. Even even his interest music just sounds menacing. We talk about that. It's just, it's just low drones. It's not even, yeah. like, yeah. music. It's just, like, he's... He's the villain coming to fight you. <laughs> like he's he is the he is the big bad of the season. This is what it feels like. You yeah. know, Dekester is just an amazing talent right now. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I love that, it. Just give him that kind of as long as he's heel. Just give him that kind of music. Like you can add probably like a little like maybe like a little like low a dark synth to it. You know, mm-hmm. but like keep those like low droning, like just atmospheric, like entrance. And I mean, this guy's presented like, I'm gonna not be the final boss, but I'm gonna make you work for this. Like, that's the kind of enemy that he feels like in this world of, you know, AEW is like, he feels like the ruby weapon of this company. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the screwdriver comes back, the ref gets it out of the hand so he can't use it. Uh, they go on for a little more. Takesha drops the knee pad, nails Kenny with one of his knees, and gets a clean-ish win over Kenny Omega. It was, uh, it was just about all clean. Yeah, like, I mean, this, this is, is Kenny going out on his back very for strong Takesha. Victory, yeah, I think. Uh, is building the story too that Kenny can't win without Don in his corner. Like that's kind of the story that they're building off of. Like Don Callis is the difference between these stars. But, I mean, Takeshita came out of this match looking like a legitimate fucking threat. And I know there's only yeah. one world title, and you can only have so many people in it. But, goddamn, dude, I can't wait to see Takeshita for, like, intercon- for the international or the TNT title. Like, just get a belt on him right now or something. There's yeah, no more real world championship, finally. <laughs> hey, Takeshita, you are the real world champion. <laughs> like... Probably just uh, fucking tosses the belt like he's Naito or something. This this match just this match is a classic, instant classic. Like it's just really that good. good. It's for sure the match of the weekend, probably the match of the last of the fortnight. So this is two weeks. This, year. this is two weeks, you know, of Matt two weeks of events, and Kenny has been pinned by Takeshita twice. Mm-hmm. One a little iffy because he was distracted, but then one very solidly he has been beaten very the dominating match like there was a couple times when we were watching i was like oh does Takeshi just win here and then he did i was like holy shit yeah he like he dropped the knee pad hit him with the fucking knee that he took out kota abushi with and then yeah it's great fucking match and then the crowd is probably riding the high of that match so we're not going to jump right to the main event, of course. We're going to throw in another match so you guys have a little bit of time to cool down. And that is uh, the FTR, FTR and the Young Bucks versus Bullet Club Gold. Uh, this is building off of the Bucks and FTR's match at All In and Bullet Club's recent win uh, as well. This was a chaotic eight-man tag team match. Yeah, I kind of expected that. Oh, this you have these four, these eight people in, and you just there's two eight eight times that are like they're gonna just go nuts. Do you have the match times? Uh, Yeah, I do. 
how long is this i'm gonna say this yeah okay this match felt like a long 20 minutes uh because it is it is very slow at the start but then it just like breaks down (laughs) and the rules don't matter on an eight-man tag team match anymore uh because i also think it's no dq so they can just do whatever um bullet club gold bring in the comedy like they normally do juice robinson is still He's earning his spot on this roster. <laughs> the juice is letting loose. The juice yeah, is yeah. loose. Uh, th- compared to the reception that Kenny Omega got, this crowd is hostile as hell to the Young Bucks. Anytime a, one of the Young Bucks got tagged in, this crowd let them know, we don't want to see you in this ring. Uh, oh yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's in my notes too. Chicago, Chicago was just not fucking with the Bucks this time, and which is weird because you know they, they love cheered Omega, Hangman. They, they cheered Hangman, and they, they Kenny, but the even Bucks, if they did cheer, they draw the line. Even if they didn't make it overly long, they didn't hijack the Kenny match. They're making it known they don't want to see the Bucks in Chicago. <laughs> What the hell did the Bucks do to Chicago, man? The Bucks are perennial shitsters, is the thing, and. As much as, you know, it's fun sometimes, uh, when, you know, it's, it reminds me of, like, a PG version of the click in, in yes. the 90s. Yeah, I, I can see some that. Some people love that, and some people don't. Yeah. I can um, see that. This <laughs> match is just 20 minutes of chaos. I mean, you got all eight men in the ring. Four sharpshooters going on to the Bullet Club Gold, which is a funny little spot. They're all trying to stop each other from tapping, too, which is pretty funny. Um, But the main focus of it is the teamwork. Bullet Club Gold is all on the same page, and you have the Young Bucks and FTR who respect each other, but are still wary of actually being a team with each other. And it shows. uh, When one of the Young Bucks tags himself in, you know, there's kind of like hesitating looks from uh, Cash and Dax. So they're all not on the same page. Good storytelling. Um, a good story. A very good storytelling. Uh, I lost count of how many false finishes this match had. Again, it has the Bucks. <laughs> there's going to be false finishes. There were so many. Uh, it's a typical Bucks match. About halfway through the match, the Bucks and FTR do start finding some teamwork. Mm-hmm. We're seeing half of each team kind of working together. We're seeing uh, Dax join uh, Matt Jackson doing the uh, their like double knee spot that they do after the super kicks. Yep. Uh, we see one of the young bucks, I think, help with a shatter machine. Mm-hmm. So you start seeing a little bit of teamwork, but again, Blow Cup Gold is all on the same page. They managed to get in there and break up the pin and get a pinfall before the book can uh, before Nick Jackson can jump in. And Bullet Club Gold wins after they pin one of the champions. So I think we're starting to probably see, hey, look, uh, Bullet Club Gold is probably going to be the next in line for the tag titles, which will give us a new, you know, babyface tag team to come up into the ranks. So. But yeah, this was a chaotic match and it did kind of help, I guess, cool down the crowd a little bit. For. The first of two first-time main event matches 
of the weekend. We will talk about the other one on payback because that is a travesty. That that is the first time that Shinsuke Nakamura main events a pay per view. It's, it, it's criminal. It is it's criminal. What it is. Uh, the inter the international title match is the main event. Considering that your world title was just defended and they were in the tag team match earlier. This is like their second big title, I guess, in terms of prestige, considering what Orange Cassidy has given this title. Orange Cassidy, 32, 32, 32 title defenses. Yeah. I think 31 and 1 is the end result. Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley, the two aces of AEW, as For far sure. as I'm. If Moxley's not there and needs somebody to reform, I think Orange Cassidy could be that guy. Uh, he needs a vacation first, though, because good grief. The I thing is, I thought Mox was going to go I'm over. Talk about Orange. Both no. of, okay, here, both of these men need vacations. You, could, really need you could have made this a triple threat and yeah. let the third person win. <laughs> like, uh, I put it in my notes here. Moxley may not be the final boss of AEW, but he's the skill check. Yeah. Sure. Like he's he's the, he's the first boss in any from software game where if you can't beat him you can't play the game yeah <laughs> like that is the uh, equivalent Sounds like someone's played armored core yes i uh, uninstalled it too after i couldn't beat uh Baltrus, so skill, skill issue chapter one final boss can't beat him skill issue uninstall the game <laughs> so, skill issue difference um <laughs> Anyway, the, the story of this match is Orange Cassidy is broken down like he's 320 something days as champion, 31 title defenses going into this match. It's strength for speed. Moxley is definitely the stronger of the two, but Orange Cassidy has the speed. Uh, and it just turns into Moxley being the shot of Orange Cassidy for a little while. <laughs> as you would expect. Uh, yep. Orange Cassidy gets busted open. He's wrestling this match in full crimson mask. Interestingly, Moxley did not get busted open. Moxley did not bleed. Not once. The whole match. Um, but fuck, man. Cassidy made Moxley work for this win. Uh-huh. Like, it was, it was really, this it is... Was a really good match. Out of it, I don't think we've had Mox have to wrestle this hard since, what, the Brian Danielson match? Yeah. Yeah. And any of his world title him. matches. Most of the time when Moxley is in a match, he will destroy his fucking opponent and make it look easy. But Orange Cassidy made him earn this uh, win from him, which is just once Orange Cassidy comes back from whatever fate break he's getting from all of this, like put him into a new title picture. Like this man could be one of your top guys for years. Honestly, just toss him oh, into no, the team. He's he's like 40, no, because he's like 40 something. I keep forgetting that. Like, Orange Cassidy is like actually up there. Yeah. In age, even though he doesn't look like it. Uh, this match has a lot of great technical wrestling from That's Moxley. 39. Yeah. Moxley did a lot of technical wrestling this match. It's like, it wasn't a lot of brawling. He actually was like on the mat wrestling. And it just shows that Moxley's a jack of all trades. He can do whatever style you want him to do. Uh, we get a very Roman Reigns-esque spear onto John Moxley. Mm-hmm. He runs the ropes and then hits him with a spear. And I was, I even, I was like, that's very Roman-esque. Uh, he hits him with Death Rider. Orange Cassidy kicks out. Again, a very protected finisher. 
uh, being kicked out of, which just adds to the drama of this match because it just shows like Mox is like, what do you mean? This was not a three count. Uh, he gets up. He gets up. Orange Cassidy is just looking defeated, but even to the end, gives him his two fingers, takes a double, takes a paradigm shift, gets pinned in the middle of the ring. Just defiant until defiant until the end. Orange Cassidy. <laughs> Very reminiscent of uh, the finish to Jericho and Osprey. Yeah. I mean, Orange Cassidy is that guy. Like Orange Cassidy is that guy, and he needs to be. He needs. He needs a vacation. His uh, tweet he after the event. Sleep. His tweet after the event was, "I'm gonna go lay down." <laughs> <laughs> Me too, buddy. Um, so am I. Yeah, so he's probably going to go away for a little while. I mean, he probably does have some lingering injuries from all the matches he's wrestled. Uh, so this might be a good break, and I can't wait to see it's him come back. Not even, it doesn't seem to be like, you know, watching him wrestle and whatnot, and I know there's certain ways you can wrestle, and it's, like, protected. Yeah. But you can, he, he doesn't seem, like, terribly injured. It's probably, like, lingering, just lingering bruises and stuff. There was a good spot in this match, which just shows that Orange Cassidy does no character development. Uh-huh. He came in as this character, and you've slowly seen him leave that laid-back character. He starts doing the little kicks, and then he starts kicking the shit out of John Moxley. And he was, like, laying into Moxley with some of those kicks, too, man. I was like, yeah, his little His little leg taps just became full-blown kicks, and I was like, this is it. This is the character development. Like... I can't be that lazy guy anymore. I'm going to have to beat the shit out of John Moxley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, fuck, man. How do you go? How is your biggest show? Not the better of the two shows. Nope. They were just yeah. like, all right, guys, we did our biggest show of all time. We can only go up from here. Go out there. Put on bangers. <laughs> like, because I think all out, you know, and regarding all the stuff with CM Punk and all of the stuff that happened this week, oh, they had, I think they had a, they they had had a point to prove. Yeah, they had a sense of urgency. And they're like, it showed in All Out. They're like, like no, they had, like, no, like, CM just, Punk doesn't make this show. No, our fucking roster makes this show. And they went out there and they proved that in spades. And I think if they had brought that energy for All In, I think All In would have been a lot. I mean, it was a great show, but it would have been even better, you know. But. Like I said, they had a huge sense of urgency this weekend. They were just, they were just like, you know what? We're just uh, CM Punk is not the end all of this show. We're gonna go out there. We're gonna do what we always have done, but way before we got here, we're gonna put on a fantastic event, and we're gonna do some, we're gonna do some story stuff, and we're just gonna make it work. And that's what AEW is getting back to. They're just getting back to making it work. Yeah, when they made it work, they did. I mean. These were two great fucking pay-per-views. And I mean, I think I even messaged it. I think I even posted it on Twitter. Payback was mostly okay. Like, it wasn't a a great show, but I was like, it wasn't bad. So we had a pretty strong weekend of wrestling. Uh, The Payback episode is going to be interesting, though, because it is like this year's most okayest pay-per-view. (laughs) <laughs> I guess I would yeah. say uh, there were some points I like. There were some things I like, some things I didn't like. So we'll talk about that when we talk about it as a little teaser for everybody. I do. But yeah, I do man. Say, I do want to say before we like start 
like wrapping up here, I just want to say, and I want to reiterate this every time we have you know nitpicks about like a four way that you know the this wrong is, person. Or, this won. is us. This is our opinions on this. No, yeah. no, no. I, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if people disagree with our opinions or whatever. Austin's in a good spot. It's just in a great spot right now. Yeah. I'll continue to say that. Yeah, the AEW women division has uh, some kinks it needs to work out. I think it just needs some dedicated, uh, creative mind to it and some more time. I, I can say uh, the same about WWE's women's division, honestly, but we'll get exactly. into that when we get to Peggy but, back. But, like, overall, wrestling is just in a really good spot right now. Wrestling yeah. is in a great fucking spot right now. It's so good. Yeah, we, we are in a boom period right now in pro wrestling. And it's been a while since we have a period like this, you know, probably since, you know, the mid 2010s where wrestling has been as popular as it has been. Yeah. And I just hope that this continues. You know, you got your big, you got your major promotions. I mean, hell, you got the minor promotions like uh, Impact and, you know, Ring of Honor, GCW doing their thing. You know, and people are into that as well. I mean, we got so much good pro wrestling out here right now. You just need to go watch it. I mean, it's just, it's not just new American like competition. I mean, we've, pro wrestling's evolved to the point now where New Japan and NOAA are working together. Like, yeah. comp <clears throat> Japanese companies who like historically have not had good business relationships are like, hey, let's do stuff together. Like, I think even New Japan and All Japan, I think, had a thing. I think uh, MLW and AAA, I think, have partnered up recently, if I remember yeah. correctly. I'm not sure, though. But, uh, yeah. Strengthen the Wrestleverse. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I mean, we had fucking Gringo Loco on AEW TV. Yeah, I mean, we had Gringo Loco and Vikingo back on AEW TV. Like, we're just getting... We're getting cameos. We're getting cameos from other companies on American TV wrestling. <laughs> like, it's showing, hey, look, there's other companies out there. You know? If and only we can get WWE to do some of that stuff. It'd the walled garden. Of... There was that one year where, you know, Mickey Mick James climbed over the wall. Yeah. Yeah, hey, the Royal Rumble. So there's a, whole, there's a whole pool of other wrestling dip our toe in. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the... That was the energy where Tony Khan's like goggles diving. Yeah, Ooh, big exactly. year. And and I think as we get even 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 as we start like nitpicking is really yeah. what we're doing and what we're going to do over payback. Uh, like we're still the product is still very good and it is. This would be like a tier in 2007, but we're Absolutely. not 2007 anymore. If yeah. you had shown this to 1998, me, my mind would have been fucking blown. Exactly. Like, like I love seeing fucking Diamond Dallas Page like wrestle, and I mean back in the late '90s, it wasn't modern wrestling. Still, it wasn't it hadn't reached that like point yet. It was still very old school wrestling. But if you had shown this to me, I'd have been like, "Holy shit, wrestling is awesome!" <laughs> like, wrestling is sweet. But it just shows it just shows you the potential of where wrestling could go. You know, and I think it could go to greater heights, not only in this year, but in the coming years after this. And I think we're just scratching the surface as far as what this, uh, what the WrestleVerse is capable of. I just want to see more of it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's all I had. That's all we had. I mean, I think we share our thoughts. These are great fucking shows. They, they, like, they are. They are. Uh, 
I think this also proves like I don't want them to do it often, but if this is like the mentality of things moving forward, like hey, we're gonna do all out or all in next year at Wembley again, and then we're gonna have a all out a week later. You know, let's kind of do it as like thing built up to next week. But you know. I'd like it. I I I would I would have a hope that they would do it. They would do two different shows with two different rosters. Mm-hmm. I I think I would like that better as two completely yeah. different shows with two completely. You have a rosters. big enough roster. Yes. Uh, I I was thinking about it actually before we started. Uh, I think all in, they put the star power. They put the names that people knew. Yeah. Where all out was. Here's your AEW pay-per-view for the AEW fans. Workhorses. Yeah, here's all the workhorses. Here's a bunch of people that aren't usually on TV, maybe could be here also. Yeah. Uh stuff like that. So because I mean Miro and Hobbs, they probably wouldn't have been put on all in. You know? Especially Miro hasn't hasn't been on TV until collision, really. So it's so, like that penultimate match of the night. Yeah. Uh your battle royale. A lot of those guys aren't on TV right now. People like Tony Nese, Serpentico. He's your jobber talent. So it's nice seeing all these guys here. It's like, hey, AEW fans, here's your guys. But for that big show, that international show that was getting news coverage and stuff like that, it's like here's all of the big names. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited, and fuck, we have another one in October for Wrestle Dream. Yep. Which, uh, you know, the, you know, the, uh, video of the guy gaming who's like, oh no, like that video, I might be the only one that's seen it. It's this guy like sitting there, he's doing something and he's just, oh no. And it's like Tony (laughs) Khan when he schedules a New Japan AW show on the same day that New Japan already has a scheduled show. Oh (laughs) no. So he doesn't have like the big names on the New Japan roster. Yeah, he's getting all the up and comers for there. Yeah, so somebody's. I was like, "Oh, Tony, you didn't look at the calendars, did you?" <laughs> like, yeah, because that's damn. That's like a month from now. Yes, it's a month yep. from now, and oh, fuck, that, buddy. yeah. So I think we'll have a few weeks before our next big pay per view show. So, but yeah, uh, that is it for me. Um, all I got. I did say this in the last episode. You all are seeing this episode on the feed. Uh, for without context, you'll notice that the other episodes are missing. You can now find them on their own show, Square Triangle. I have created a separate feed for the Square Triangle episodes to get it into its own little category. So if you don't want to listen to the rest of the without context shows, you don't have to. If you don't want to go searching through all the without context shows to find the square triangle shows. You can now search it on its own. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's all going to go up at the same place anyway. Yeah. If you're, but, if you're watching on YouTube, disregard that last minute. Yeah. So if you're watching on any of the podcast uh, services, it's under its own show now, square triangle. Just look it up. You should be able to find it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. At least we'll have audio for this episode, right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a little bit of a mess up, but we got through it. We got there. So, yeah, uh, that is it for us here. 
at Square Triangle. Thank you all for listening. Follow the Twitter, follow the YouTube, follow us on any podcast service. All the links and everything are in the flow code. Also, since I have to repeat it from the last episode also, I've updated all of the episode descriptions on podcast services, so they're more organized, and you should be able to click links easier to find us. So enjoy listening to all of that. Enjoy all the back catalogs and stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll be back to being more consistent with all of this. So it's been a really weird few months of just no without context episode. It really has. But uh, yeah, we all so, have nine to fives. I don't know. We, we do. We do. So thank you all for listening. I'm Sharky Hat, joined with X and Decca, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Squared Triangle. Find us wherever you get your podcasts under the Without Context Podcast. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at WC Network.